January 12th and Peter you get to wear your LA Dodgers hat multiple days now because it's Dodger week and uh, that is a nice hat you know you are an LA guy ish close enough close enough Santa Barbara close enough two two hours north and the thing is about the Dodger hat I do like it thank you for the compliment by the way but the problem with bucket hats and if we're talking about just baseball merch the rope hat versus the bucket hat my head is so big that I often get called a thumb Oh, you mean like the dad hat? Did I call it a bucket? I meant a dad hat. Bucket hat's the schoolboy Q look. It's the schoolboy Q look. The dad hat, I just, sometimes I look like a thumb, but this one one looks good. making me look good. No, that one looks good on you. That one fits your head well. But yeah, yeah, where it kind of like, it sits kind of just on the top and doesn't come all the way down. Is that what you're talking about? I think I'm dangerously close to like an eight on a new era hat. Which is an enormous head. What, like I'm a big the, dude, so my head blends in, but I have an enormous knock. What's the shoe size equivalent to eight eight on a uh, on a new era head? Is that like a, is that like a solid fourteen or fifteen? I mean, I have a thirteen and a half size shoe, so that okay. kind of fits the bill. Yeah, you're, you're kind of a giant. Your your extremities are just large. Like you're just like weird appendages, like a just like a weird blocky dude who talks. Yeah, baseball Peter just kind of like drags his body everywhere. <laughs> that's why in baseball i never made it no speed no speed always, yeah always 20 grade runner it. is what i heard flat feet big feet just didn't run well that or else i'd be in the league just didn't yeah, run you'd well. be, that's it that was the only thing i i heard that, <laughs> that was the only like, thing it was just the run tool it was just he, 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 he you were hitting gappers run tool the first ever first. 15 run tool 20 to <laughs> 15 20 to 80 you gave me a 15 first ever on the scale first ever they Terrible. call it the the, the peter apple line Right below 20. But, just Albert Pujols level. Yeah, well, you know what? He hit, and he hit for the Dodgers this year, and then would just walk to first. And <laughs> the, the interesting thing, because we're going to talk about the Dodgers, we did talk Dodgers prospects a couple weeks back. So we were trying to figure out what the angle was here, and I thought the, the best idea that Jack had and, and that we're going to talk about here is just how the Dodgers are the Dodgers, right? Uh, they come up short a little bit every single year, except for 2020. Uh, but, I mean, they're perennially great. And they are able to build their own talent, put their own talent together. So we looked at the Dodgers, we looked at the Rays, where Andrew Friedman, you know, first started and what they do in terms of their team. And it is pretty amazing seeing, you know, yes, they spend money, do the Dodgers. But we were talking about this before we recorded. Most of that is to retain the guys that they already either drafted or brought in for cheap, right? Chris Taylor, they traded for nothing. And that's a guy they end up paying 70 something million. So yes, the Dodgers spend a lot, but don't get this confused with what the Texas Rangers are doing. That's not what the Dodgers do, right? They don't just go and pick up free agents and put together a super team. They'll add pieces, but this isn't just throwing 350 million at Corey Seager and 300 million at Corey Seager and another couple hundred million, you know, at Marcus Simeon. This is building carefully and then striking when the iron's hot, they struck 
with Trey Turner, right? But that was two homegrown pieces that got them Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. They struck yes. on Mookie. Of course, that was an instance where spending was the reason why they were able to do that. But that's just one piece. And that's the they also traded homegrown talent in Alex Verdugo. Like that's what they did. And I think when we go through this roster, I think that's what's important is you're so 100% right is that although they have the largest payroll, a lot of their stars aren't necessarily these big free agents. Like you said with Corey Seager, you already mentioned Mookie and Trey Turner that came over in trades. Chris Taylor, another guy traded to the Dodgers from the Mariners in 2016 for Zach Lee. But Zach then Lee. they for Zach Lee, exactly. And then they re-signed him. But let's just keep going through the roster, bro. Gavin Lux. I mean, we're going to talk about that 2016 draft, but can I just quickly go through this roster to tell you where all these guys came from? Yeah, absolutely. Gavin Lux, a 2016 first rounder. Dustin May, 2016 draft, third rounder. Will Smith, the supplemental pick. In 2016, Tony Gonsolin, ninth round in 2016. Walker Bueller, the 24th pick in 2015 by the Dodgers. Cody Bellinger, another guy they drafted in the fourth round in 2013. Julio Arias signed as an international free agent in 2012. Kenley Jansen, who's probably not going to be on the team anymore, but has been their closer now for seems like what a decade. He was an undrafted free agent catcher. Catcher, switch in 2004. hitter. Switch hitter. And we were just talking about Blake Trinan's turbo sinker and the fact that he's one of the best relievers in baseball. He signed as a free agent for a one-year, $10 million deal in 2019. Let's keep going. Max Muncy, released by the Oakland A's in 2017. Then he signs with the Dodgers. Justin Turner signed a minor league deal with the Dodgers after getting non-tendered by the Mets. Yeah. AJ Pollock, a pretty cheap free agency deal yeah. in 2019. Like, that's the team. That's the team. There is no Giancarlo Stanton. There is no Corey Seager, 10 years, 325 million. It's quite remarkable when you actually look at the roster right now. Yeah, it's funny because a lot of the money, a lot of the highest paid players are guys that aren't even like the main contributors. Of course, you have Mookie, but they're dealing with paying like David Price and like guys like that, that, that they're kind of on the hook for. It's not as much that now they, they wanted to keep some of these dudes and it costs a little bit more money, but. I mean, they put this team together through I, I, what I like to, to phrase it with the Dodgers. And the, what the Rays do is they find undervalued prospects and poach them from other teams. And we'll get into them. But what the Dodgers have done really well is veterans or not quite veterans, big leaguers for a couple years that they think just need a little tweak or just they identify as a potential guy that could put it together that just wasn't in another environment. Like, I don't think it's a fluke that Muncie, like you said, wasn't offered a contract. And now, you know, he comes over here and is a beast. Justin Turner, he was signed by Tim Wallach, who was one of their coaches at the time. After Tim Wallach saw him hitting at Cal State Fullerton's alumni game. So like, it's just, it's just outrageous. Uh, when you when you look at the way that they've been able to kind of identify some of these guys and bring them in, Chris Taylor, right? That was a guy that was struggling at the big league level, and they they targeted him and brought him in. Those are three of their main players for the last several years. And you know, Muncy's arguably their their most productive player, not named Mookie Betts, and was their most productive player last year. And these were guys that nobody wanted, like zero. Nobody wanted them. You know what I was reading about? It seems like at least on offense, the Dodgers target a specific type of player. They want high baseball IQ, they want high contact rates, and they value plate discipline 
very highly. Yep. What does that leave off? They're not really going for the toolsy guy, the guy with a ton of power that that maybe he already showcased. They want guys who are hit first guys, IQ guys, because they think that they can help you develop that power down the line. I mean, think about it. What's harder to develop? A guy who just straight up hits the ball or a guy who hits for power? Give me the guy who hits for ball, hits, hits, hits for average, and you can teach him how to hit for power. That seems to be the equation they're working with. Especially with these vets, right? They see something and they're like, no, th- this guy's got more in there. We just got to, we just got to find a way to unlock it. And I think you're totally right. I mean, Muncy, people look at him and they're like, oh, he's positionless a little bit. You know, where is he going to, where is he going to play this and that? Well, if the bat plays, you find a spot for him and they helped him, you know, develop the bat and make it play and, and they found a spot for him. Right. And now he's considered somewhat versatile. So it, it's wild how that all works. And then the 2016 draft is, is outrageous, oh. but something that stood out to me before we get into that is crazy. You mentioned Julio Arias getting signed in 2012. Was he like eight years old? 15. Well, he signed on his 16th birthday. Yeah. Like I, I know that that's the rule, right? It's just so crazy to me. <laughs> they crazy. saw this guy at like, basically they were probably looking at him when he was 13. Oh, and yeah. if they, if I he signed that. on his 16th birthday, it was like, they were just counting the days to make it official. Like that guy was probably a Dodger before he was 14. And that's just wild. So, I mean, that's the scouting too, right? They're not missing guys. And uh, when it comes to the drafting, that is what is so amazing. And the important thing here is, you know, when you're building a team, it's, it's really hard to build through spending money because that money runs out quickly, right? Even though there's no, no salary cap. And even though you have the luxury tax, you can get to 200 million pretty quickly. You know, you oh, got to yeah. build a deep team when you're talking about full bullpen, full rotation. Uh, then you have your starting lineup. Like it, it goes quickly, especially when you're trying to compete at the highest level. And that's why it's so important to have these controllable pieces. You look at the World Series winners year to year that we're going to get into their core. Almost every single team that had won the World Series, four out of five or five out of six of their highest war players that season were homegrown guys. And that's because it allows you to spend more to get those accentuating pieces like for the Red Sox, J.D. Martinez going and signing him like that's an example there Uh, for the the Dodgers. I'd argue that it was Mookie Betts because they had the guys in place that are controllable and cheap. Right. You have an all star and Will Smith that you don't have to pay for right now. Muncie was affordable for a long time before, you know, he's going to really, really get paid. Bellinger cheap because he was on that uh, still under control. Uh, Same with Chris Taylor up until this extension. So, I mean, it is just outrageous what they've been able to build here. Uh, But you mentioned the 2016 class. It's it's one of my favorite things to talk about. And I think I'm actually going to make a YouTube video on it because As you should. I, I was talking about it with, with our buddy, Sam. And Freaking I just insane. think I just think it's too insane to not do a, a whole YouTube video on. I mean, you start with Gavin Lux, who we talked about a lot. And regardless, big leaguer for sure. He's not going anywhere. And whether he's an all star or just a big leaguer remains to be seen. Still crazy. Will Smith with the supplemental pick. You know, you just said he's the best catcher in baseball yesterday. Best catcher in baseball. Uh, Jordan Sheffield's all right, but, you know, big leaguer. Uh, bullpen on for the Rockies. Solid. Mitchell White could be a, a, a piece for them, but he's a big leaguer. Dustin big May leaguer. could be a frontline starter. Uh, DJ Peters, big leaguer. Devin Smeltzer will be a big leaguer. Errol Robinson will probably end up being a big leaguer in the sixth round. Luke Raley, big leaguer in the seventh round. Andre Scrub has pitched in the big leagues in the eighth round. Tony Gonsolin obviously going to probably be in the rotation in the ninth round. Then in the 12th round, one of my favorite prospects actually in the red system. Now Graham Ashcraft, he's a beast. He was in that draft. He'll be a big leaguer sooner rather than later. 
Bailey Ober. How about Bailey Ober in the 23rd round? <laughs> which is I saw which Bailey is, Ober when I was going through this. I was like, no way. They got Bailey Ober, six foot seven, Bailey Ober in the, the draft. 23rd round. The 23rd round at the College of Charleston. What a steal. Dean Kramer, another big league arm with the Orioles, 14th round. I mean, like, it is absolutely absurd. McKinstry, Zach McKinstry in the 33rd 30, round. 33rd round, a thousandth and first pick. Came up as a shortstop, interestingly enough. Huh. Central Mish. I mean, that draft, and like more guys might start to make their way through too. Like that draft is, how do you do that? How do you hit on that many picks? It's just, it's just nuts to me. It's nuts. And in 1968, the Dodgers had one of the best draft classes. And we looked at, you just look up top draft classes of all time in baseball. 1968 comes up for the Dodgers because they had 15 big leaguers come out of that draft. Dude, this is going to, this is going to have 15 big leaguers pretty easily. How many did we count? Did we count 15? And that's not even counting all the other guys that could possibly be big leaguers that we just aren't sure about yet. This was like six years, not even six years ago, right? Like this wasn't even that long. Five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, they're going to have, I think they're going to beat that. I I really do think they're going to beat that, which is just so cool. (laughs) I just think it's one of the, because drafting in baseball, we know is so hard. And when you're hitting on this many picks, even late in the draft, it's it's just not so uh, that's something that I think is so important, obviously drafting well, uh, but I really think it's it's just a differentiator, right? Like when you're able to have these pieces that you cultivated that you now have under control for five years at the big league level, it allows you to do so much more. Uh, and I think that's a big reason why we've seen the Dodgers just be so good. But also it allows you to trade, right? You hit on your draft pick. That's now a tradable asset. And that's how you're able to go get. They hit on Josiah Gray and they hit on Kiebert Ruiz. Well, guess what? That gets you freaking Trey Turner and Max Scherzer hitting on prospects like that. You know, hitting on your second round pick and hitting on an international free agent. Kiebert Ruiz was not an expensive international free agent at all, if I'm not mistaken. So it's just nuts. Uh, When you can do that, it's not just the guys that matriculate to the big leagues. It's the assets that you now acquire, like gold, that you can now go, you know, and swap for legit big leaguers. I think that's the really impressive thing. And the other thing is that they're able to identify some big leaguers that aren't really performing and help turn those guys around. It, 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 I don't really know if there's a team that does it better in that regard across the board, but the Rays are close. And the Rays are close, and we're definitely going to talk about the Rays. But just to your point about turning guys around, it is so clear that the Dodgers invest. I know that they have a ton wrapped up in the payroll, but it goes far beyond the payroll. When Frank McCourt, you know, all that stuff happened and he was forced to basically sell the team and the new management brought on by Magic Johnson and a couple other owners, you know, came in and just changed the franchise. I remember their payroll was like less than a hundred million, you know, not that long ago. And then the Magic Johnson and them comes in and now we're looking at $200 million plus, but it's not just the investment in players on the field. It's the investment in the facilities. It's the investment in nutrition in trainers, in the best medical staff. The Dodgers have some of the most scouts of any major league team. They have the mo- one of the most of the team's most employees in player development. This is a team that puts all of its effort and a lot of its resources into building up players. And what we've seen, we've argued about minor league housing how many times? We say invest in these guys and they will blossom into better 
big leaguers. Like it's not that hard. It's just which owners are willing to put that type of investment in, but then you will see your return on investment. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why it's not a coincidence too. The Astros are another team that did that has been doing that now was the only team that provided housing to their players in the minor leagues over the last couple of years. They invest a lot uh, since they, you know, had a new ownership and, I mean, it's not a coincidence when we'll get to their core, too, as we go through World Series winners. I mean, that's all homegrown. That's all homegrown for a majority of, the, of their stars. And then they went out and got a couple guys here and there. Uh, and going to the point of, of the Dodgers, $64 million of their quote-unquote committed money for next year is, is Trevor Bauer and David Price. So, you know, like those are not your main dudes, right? Like those are not the guys that are, that are really doing anything for you. Uh, and that's, that's a testament to just what they've been able to build elsewhere. Uh, and it allows you to kind of miss other teams. You miss that bad on certain players. You can't really shake out from that, right? Like if you make your big splash and you whiff, that's it. Like you got to deal with that contract. I always talk about the Marlins because the Marlins never spend. That's an extreme example. But, you know, they go and give Wei Yin Chen five years, 80 million. That's a lot for the Marlins. Now their hands are tied behind their back. And uh, yep. that's the difference with the big market teams are able to do a bit more, but having the Cody Bellingers at $7 million or $6 million and having the Chris Taylors for near the league minimum. And, and those guys, you know, over the last few years, Muncie as well, like that allows you to, to swing and miss at times on some of the bigger deals. And I, I, that's why teams like this do so well. And um, the Dodgers are, are, are just a machine. And that's why I look every year when they draft, it doesn't matter where they draft, right? We look at, at the recent uh, Bobby Miller draft, right? Where they go get Beater, they go get Pepe out, they go get a, a bunch of dudes. Like they were great, not Pepe out in that one, but that would be Beater, that would be Miller. And they just absolutely just churned out Landon Knack. Like they don't miss, even if they're drafting 23rd or they're drafting 10th, which they never will. And that's why I'm, I'm so impressed with this team. They're never drafting first overall. No. I mean, think about it. The draft is set up. So, the teams that are finishing with the lowest record get the best picks. And then, you know, you make the entire league competitive through the draft. The fact that the Dodgers have been able to do this year over year, think about it. They've won before 2021, where they won 106 games, but lost to the Giants for the division lead. They had won eight straight titles, eight yeah. straight NL West titles. That doesn't just happen. Like no. that's dynasty talk that we're talking right now. Yeah. And it's also a dynasty that will just continue to build because they have the structure there. And it's like, all right, we'll bring you in. We'll bring you in. We just need one more puzzle piece. Then we're a world series team again. I don't see this team dropping off anytime soon. And in that same time, they've had a top 10 farm system every single year yep. since 2013. Yep. So they're winning the division every year while maintaining a top 10 system. And remember guys are always brought up, you know, from those systems, your top prospect gets brought up. So that brings it down. No, no, no. They have so much depth. Guys just keep coming through the pipe. It's incredible. It's it's they're one of the best teams in all of sports. And it's, and it's free trade chips, right? Like, I guess not free, but it, it gives you so it is much free kind of, yeah. Right. Like <laughs> instead of going to get a, you know, paying $300 million, like they were able to go get Trey Turner now for pretty cheap over the next, you know, last year. And now this year, because of the assets that they've been able to accumulate in terms of prospects like that, that is just heaven on earth when you're able to do that. The Rays can do that too, but they have to be more strategic in a different way uh, because they know that they can't spend as much. Uh, and that's where it gets a little bit tricky. But what, what I love about, uh, you know, what, what the Dodgers have done in the back end of the draft is that 
it shows you how if you do your due diligence, you can you can still find so much talent. The draft order helps to a degree, but at the end of the day, like if you know what you're doing, you can you can hit big on these picks no matter where you're picking. And that's exactly what the Dodgers have done. Uh, Think about it, bro. Jacob DeGrom, where is he drafted? Yeah. Mike Trout. Where was he dropped? End of the first round. End of the like first. The best players in baseball were not taken first overall, not second no, overall. Some of them were, yeah. but most of them weren't. Yeah. And to, that's to your point, you can find diamonds in the rough. I mean, that's what the draft is. Primarily, you're not going to get the best player at number one, even though he seems like the best player. But it seems like the 24th to the 28th pick is just where they eat. Yep. Yep. And they're willing to like reach, right? Like we're always talking about reaching and this and that. How do you know what a reach is and what isn't a reach at that point, right? Because if you believe in a guy, right? I look at like the Red Sox with Nick York. Everyone's like, that's a reach. That's a reach. That's a reach. I know the Red Sox are another team that does their due diligence on scouting. And they saw more of Nick York than anybody else. Everybody else had a second, third round grade on Nick York. Red Sox said, ah, I don't care. I'm going to draft Nick York anyway. They went a little underslop, but not enough to really make it justifiable as a reach. And they took him, right? But I think generally we're always thinking like, oh, this is a reach. I got to go with the, with the best player available here. If you believe in this player way more, take him. Even if he has a second round grade by other teams. Like I, I see the Dodgers and I see some of these other teams that do a good job, like the Rays as well. And, and even the Red Sox who have, have done well drafting as of late. And they don't really care you know, what the consensus is, right? Like they're just going with their guys and going with their picks. <laughs> and, and it works, right? It yeah. works because most of the time, most first rounders don't pan out. So why are you going to listen to the outside noise? And, you know, you have your formula and it's worked and the Rays have their formula too. But I think what's different with the Dodgers to wrap up on their end of things is we'll tie it back all together is that they balance their ability to draft and develop with an ability to identify undervalued vets. And yep. I look at a lot of world series winners almost every year and they almost always have an undervalued vet that they acquired that ends up contributing as well. I mean, even when you look at the Braves, that was their story this year, right? Rosario was an undervalued vet. Uh, you look at Duvall, undervalued vet. They got both those guys for nothing, for absolutely mm -hmm. nothing. But then at the same time, the Braves core, all homegrown guys, right? Austin Riley, homegrown. Freddie Freeman, homegrown. Ronald Acuna wasn't part of the World Series team, but is their best player and is homegrown. Ozzie Albies, homegrown. Ian Anderson. Same thing. Max Freed, not quite, but they acquired him very, very early on. Uh, so you look at that core, it's just like that is a commonality. I see it's like young core that you put together. Dansby Swanson traded for in the minor leagues. Like that is what you do. And then you find those complementary parts through undervalued vets and then spend a little bit for the for the main guy, like the big guy to, to sprinkle them in. But you can't build the core by spending. I think that's clear. And think about it, this is not a new concept. Remember the core four with the New York Yankees back in the 90s. Like they, the Yankees signed some guys off the cuff, but it was the Jeters. It was the Marianos. It was the Bernie Williams. It was the Mariano Rivera's homegrown guys. And when you talk about the Rays and the Red Sox and the Dodgers, there's a commonality between them. They all invest in their minor leagues. They're all really good at developing and they put a lot of money into it. Yep. Where did Heim Bloom come from? From Tampa. Where yeah. did Andrew Friedman come from, from Tampa? There is an obvious formula here that is working, and the teams that don't are not adopting that formula, unfortunately, we probably won't see win. And we were talking in the group chat the fact that it's going to be very challenging for a team like the Texas Rangers to just spend their way to a championship. Yeah, It's almost a formula that has never worked in the history of baseball. No, it, it really hasn't. And, you know, it's funny because I – 
I saw it up close and personal, right? In 2012. And you got it. You can imagine for me, you know, I'm in well, what grade we would have been what freshman in high school, you know, and I'm what 2012. Yeah. Cause we graduated I'm like, in 2016. I'm so amped up. Right. I mean, the Marlins are finally spending money. I'm seeing them tied to all these players. They get Jose Reyes, they get Heath bell. They get, you know, which at that time, they early too. They got Mark early, yeah. you know, they're in on Hall Albert Pujols. They get outbid. Thank goodness. Um, you know, they go get John Buck, who was decent at the time. Like they, they built a, a really solid team in terms of just acquiring stud free agents. And they sucked. They went and got Ozzy. They traded for Ozzy Gein. Like th- they sucked, like certifiably sucked. And the, the craziest part was they didn't really have a great core. Like their core was, was Hanley, who was kind of eh, like just kind of petering out a little bit. Then you had, you know, a couple other guys, Josh Johnson was not quite, you know, the Josh Johnson he had been prior. And they were trying to just circumvent that with, with just spending money. Didn't work. Look at the Rangers. I'm excited that they're spending. I think it's good. They're going to be more competitive, but like, look how much more they need. Right. And, and now you've spent almost all your money. I think they'll spend a little bit more, but even if they go get Kershaw, they're still not good, right? Like they're still not great. And you don't have that core of, of really good players that you developed there yet i mean they might josh young could be great cole wing could be great but we don't know that and that's why they're far off right like if they had a core together already then you'd feel a little bit better but they don't and i think it's clear we see two sides of the spectrum in the same city yeah los angeles angels of anaheim whatever you want to call them they continually shelve out enormous contracts and have yet to really develop a solid foundation a core of players the yeah. Dodgers, on the other hand, have completely bought in. They build around the core, and then they add that extra piece to get them to a World Series. Exactly. You think that it's around, uh, what is it, 45 minutes away from each other that they could figure that out, that you could get you know, a spy from the Angels into the Dodgers, you know, into Dodger Stadium, you'd think, but no cigar. And it's funny because a lot of these teams, right, you talk about where Friedman came from, where Bloom came from. These are big markets taken from the small markets. They still oh, yeah. want the small market mentality, knowing that the, the, the money just gives them another upper hand. But you have to have the small market mentality, no matter how rich you are, no matter how endless your money is. You have to have the small market mentality. And the Rays have that, but a little bit too far on that end of the spectrum. And the Rays are kind of forced to go more after the undervalued minor leaguers, which I think is really interesting. And they've oh, killed yeah. that, Peter. They've killed that, right? They What they do is they've got scouts everywhere too. And what they'll do is they go look at other franchises and I, I bet you they're testing the waters 24-7. And they're just waiting to find a prospect that is undervalued by their own franchise, by their own front office. And eventually they'll, they'll do that and they'll find those guys and they hit on them, right? But I mean, Randy Rosarena, undervalued by the Cardinals. They identified him. Uh, you even look at guys like Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass now, clearly undervalued by the Pirates if they were willing to trade them both. Can we talk about that trade for one second? It's the worst trade I've ever seen. Chris Archer, who's good pitcher for the Rays at the Fine. time. He's a great pitcher for the Rays at the time. He was traded to the Pittsburgh Pirates in exchange. <clears throat> I have to clear my throat for that one. <clears throat> in exchange. For Tyler Glasnow, Austin Meadows, and Shane fucking Boz. They made him throw in Boz. And Chris Archer is now currently a Ray. Yeah. Like, 
That's insane. Shane Boss might be the best goddamn player in that whole deal, and they yeah. still got Glasnow and medals out of it. Are you kidding me? They threw him in there. They threw him there. Oh, yeah, take him. Take the worst trade I've ever seen in the history of my entire life. It's it's the worst. And imagine if the Pirates had those guys. I know. They'd oh, be in decent I mean, shape. There's, I mean, there's there's more. The Yandy Diaz trade from Cleveland. Yeah. The Andrew Kittredge trade from the Mariners. I mean, Pete Fairbanks, they gave up Nick Solak for him. But like Pete Fairbanks is one of my least favorite players in baseball just because he always just shits all over the Yankees. And like and, and Solak's and kind of looking at that tall fuck. Yeah, he's nasty. He's nasty. He's and, good. And, and the craziest part, too, though, is like you, you look at at the trade. Kittredge, they acquired him. He hadn't pitched in the big leagues at all. He was a triple A guy. Right. Like and they see that guy not going out. Now we'll plug him right in the bullpen. Meadows, he was a top prospect. But Glass now is struggling with Pittsburgh. And I think that was oh, yeah. part of the reason why Pittsburgh was willing to, to deal him. And the Rays said, oh, wait, wait, you, you don't think he's that good anymore? Like, you don't think he's still an elite prospect? Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll take we'll, him. We'll, we'll take him. And, and look where he's at now, obviously. Uh, and then you look at the draft side of things, right? Shane McClanahan, drafted. Uh, you look at Brandon Lowe, drafted. Wander Franco, international free agent. Uh, you got Yarbrough, who is not the most exciting piece in the world, traded for him in double A. That's a big league arm for them. Kiermaier, 31st round pick. They added him in there. You know, they drafted him. It, it's just amazing what, what they've also, been able to do. new guys, new guys that haven't really made their absolute mark yet, but are going to continue to make their mark with the race. Luis Patino, Francisco yep. Mejia, guys that maybe the Padres didn't really know how to develop in the race were like, give me here. Give me, give me here. We'll turn Francisco Mejia into a catcher. We'll turn Luis Patino into a command guy. Give him here. And and Wilcox looked great until his injury. And that's another guy that I really like too in that same Blake Snow deal. But the craziest thing about Mejia is that's another guy they identify. Bro, I was even out on Mejia. I was like, eh, like I, I, he's a throw in at this point. He was he was bouncing around multiple orgs. No one no one really could help him. Uh, he was like a you know a bat first catcher that wasn't hitting that well, and yeah. now he's don't doing a little bit of everything. So they're able to identify. It's not just being able to develop guys because it's not like they could take you or me and turn us into you know big leaguers. What they're able to do is is identify players that they know they can make a difference with, right? Like this guy will fit into our program. This guy will fit into our philosophy. And they just are so good at identifying the players that fit their philosophy. And I think that's pretty clear as they just continue to help players get better and better. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence because, you know, they, they have tried on some guys that don't end up fitting that mold for them, but the cost of acquisition is so low that it's not a big deal, right? Like you go out and get some of these guys that maybe don't pan out the way you'd hoped, then, you know, if you don't give up a ton and it's a minor league deal or whatever it is, like you, if Randy or Rosarena sucked, like, yeah, it'd be unfortunate, but they, they were able to kind of survive that without giving up the most insane price ever. You know, it was, it was a larger deal. If some of these other guys weren't as good, if Kittredge sucked, like the deal wasn't that big. It's okay. If Chris didn't Taylor sucked, Libertor, didn't they give Libertor for Randy? They got fam too. Oh, they got fam also. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, like, and, and Randy ended up being the main piece. That's the, and also, we're not even talking about the fact, I mean, this is just another player that they got for Malik Smith. Malik they traded Smith. the Mariners for Mike Zunino, who's a top yeah. five catcher in baseball last year. Like, yeah. you just continue to go through the roster. It's like, wait, how'd you get that guy? Oh, you traded him for a no-name? Oh, okay. Oh, you drafted him? Oh, okay. Well, 
did you sign anyone? Nope. We're just creating a hundred win team with almost no free agents, which is just so ideal. It's so incredibly ideal. I mean, the Rays are just, they're the breeding ground of baseball intelligence. Oh, it's, it's absurd. And actually correction. I apologize. So it was fam came over and actually the one Rays mistake, the Cronenworth trade. Yeah. That I was like, how did, yeah. What I got confused with is Jose Martinez was the guy that came over, didn't pan out. And I, when I saw Martinez go over, I'm like, oh, that guy just like hits. Like he just puts the bat on the ball. I was like, oh, they, they see something. But they were able to get a compat- competitive balance pick as well. You know, I, I, I think it's, it's an interesting trade when you're giving up Libby there, right? Like you're giving up Libby for Randy Arozarena and Jose Martinez. Martinez doesn't pan out. And Arozarena ends up being the guy that they were targeting all along. And I think everybody was focused on Jose Martinez. And I think it's just really funny how that ends up working out for them. And um, they also get that competitive balance A pick. I wonder who they use that competitive balance A pick on. I bet you they hit on that one too. So oh, like <laughs> it, it's, it's wild. It's wild. But hey, they're not perfect. The Cronenworth deal, that one, that one wasn't great. They're not perfect. And I feel like you have some other ones in the hip of just like bad raise trades that you that have come to the forefront of your mind. Do you have any? I mean, there's not that many to choose from, but I feel like you've had some hammers in the group chat where you're like, hey, hey, the Rays are nine for 10 on good trades. Yeah. Just remember that one? Hey, you know what I don't think is going to look too good for them is Jesus Sanchez for Nick Anderson. Facts. Because I was going to say they got Nick Anderson as well from the Marlins for Jesus Sanchez. We'll see. I mean, it's worked out for the Rays so far. Yeah, but we'll see what happens with Jesus Sanchez. But yeah, that's something they could have missed on. Also, Nick Solak, we'll see how he develops in Texas. But you know, but overall, you know, I mean, just what they're able to do in terms of these early trades is is what's really impressive to me. And you, you look at who's going to help them now this coming year. You know, the prospects, Taylor Walls, homegrown guy. Uh, you, you got Zach Lowe, one of my favorite prospects, homegrown guy. Uh, you got, or excuse, yeah, I mean, you, you, who else? I mean. Off the top, Vidal Brujan, home, homegrown guy, even though I'm not as high on him. I mean, he's he's an elite piece. He's going to be here. a big leaguer. Really he's going to be him. like decent at least. Yeah. You know, so uh, and another move that they made, they traded Nate, Nate Lowe over to, you know, Texas and they bring in a guy, Herberto Hernandez. That was a guy I always loved. And I'm like, when they targeted that guy, I was like, damn, like I, I knew I was I knew I was right on that guy. Absolutely matching. We've talked about the good organizations for the bad, like the Dodgers, the Rays, the Red Sox, Giants. Whenever they target someone, you're always like, wait a minute, am I missing something about yeah. that dude? Because they're normally right. Yeah. And I think that's what also, because just on the other side with the Yankees, they are a team that has just drafted terribly. You yeah. know, their international free agents haven't all hit. That's where you get separated between the Yankees and the Dodgers. That's why when Brian Cashman came out and said, we're just kind of behind these teams, he was exactly right because mm-hmm. you just genuinely are behind some of yeah. these teams. That's why I got so upset. And I was like, finally, we realize it. We have to now invest into the minor league system, into player development, into scouting, into nutrition, into facilities, into medical staffs. All that stuff is so crucial for creating a long, substantial dynasty like the Dodgers have. And that's I, I why agree. the Dodgers combine the small market with the Rays with the money to create one of the greatest franchises in sports. It's exactly the point because, you know, you look at the Yankees, they spread themselves thin financially because their core is, is all bought, right? Garrett Cole, 
John Carlos Stanton trade. I consider that a free agent signing in my free opinion, agent, right? Free agent. They signed. I rolled as Chapman. Judge is the one homegrown guy, and that's been a, a huge saving grace for them. DJ LeMay, he's a good, really good signing up until the, the, the new deal. We'll see how that yep. ends up going. But that's an outside guy, too. So when you're when you're accumulating your talent via free agency, you're always going to spend more, right? You're buying at the highest generally when a guy's a free agent. Uh, what the Yankees have done well, and I want to see them get back to is they well, one, they're drafting better as of late uh, yeah. and clearly developing better, which is huge. And mm-hmm. like how different, how palpably different is the uh I would say like the outlook for the Yankees when you know you've got all this talent developed, right? Like so much better. you have you have way more in your back pocket now and you have more confidence. Like we can go get go out and get a dude like Joey Gallo and not feel it. Like we can go out and get an Anthony Rizzo and not feel it. And like those are the things that the Yankees didn't really have the liberty to do as much in recent years because their system had been a little bit more barren due to weak drafting. Uh, the other thing that I think the Yankees do really well that I want to see them get back to a little bit is is the undervalued veterans or the undervalued like young big leaguers, Luke Voigt, Gio Ursula. Like those were huge, huge steals that really good franchises are good at. Like I want to see them get back to that. I know it's easier said than done, uh, but they did it with Nestor Cortez. Uh, I don't know how much credit they can take, but I mean, they went out and brought him back and he put it together. Uh, I want to see them, you know, start targeting those guys because the Max Muncy type, Chris Taylor type pickups, like, the Yankees did that really well with Voight and with Urshela. I mean, those were two steals. I think you're so right. Now I'm just thinking to myself just all the times that, you know, and this is this is a player that has always stuck with me because I thought it was one of the greatest moves that Brian Cashman ever did. It was such a small minor move. But when Brandon McCarthy came over from the Diamondbacks to the Yankees, I think it was 2016, like Brandon McCarthy was a terrible pitcher. And then he came over and had a wonderful second half. And I was like, where, when do we get that again? Like, that was unbelievable. What yeah. a move by Brian Cashman. Like, those are the moves that set you up for success like that. I mean, it's 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 not consistent. Like, you can't just bank on mo- making moves like that. But finding undervalued veterans, bringing them over, finding undervalued prospects, bringing them over into your system where you can develop them and then make them better. I mean, Cameron Maben, I remember he came over and he, he, was, he blossomed with the Yankees. Like, guys like that, that can happen, but it just has to be more consistent. And I think finding those guys that, you know, like, oh, they, they'll benefit from, you know, this or that, like this, this environment will be better for them. Like we can help unlock this or that. Like that's, that's what these guys are, are doing in other organizations, guys and girls, of course. And you know, speaking of very cool to see uh, the Yankees hire. Well, that's good. That's the first female manager ever, right. In professional baseball. First female manager ever in minor league baseball. Um. Rachel Bukovic, right? Rachel Bukovic, yeah, she signed with Tampa, and she's she's been in big league camps, I think, since 2012. So she's worked her way all the way up. It's kind of a phenomenal story. It's just good to see more women. Also, did you see the 17 year old Australian lefty pitcher? Yeah, it was with a girl the nasty in, bender, in, in, nasty the, bender, Australia. Yeah. Women are coming. <laughs> the women are coming to take over women baseball. Are Kim Ang's Kim Ang's at the helm in Miami. I love it. I love it. I mean, it, it took long enough. Right. And I, I wonder how much of that, you know, was did, did Kim Ang break the glass ceiling there a little bit? And now the floodgates are opening. Do you think like, do you think it's a coincidence or do you think she really broke, broke the broke the like perforated surface, so to speak? I think they would have happened eventually, but I think she sped up the process. Because she had sense. to pay her freaking dues, man. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you were talking about Rachel, like she had to pay her dues, too. 
yeah. worked in nine years in minor league baseball as a coach, like consistent four different teams. And then now she finally gets this job with the Yankees. I mean, these women have been working years and years. So they've been on teams, but they haven't been given these high positions of power yet. And now we're tr- finally seeing that kind of come through and we'll see how it works. I'm excited. I think it's going to work well. I, I mean, look, I mean, she was a, one of the hitting coordinators, right? For, yep. for the Yankees. <laughs> look, look at how the Yankees hit last year, right? Not I bad. mean, she played a part in what was an, a ridiculous breakout, but that was the funny thing that we talk about is, is how much development matters, right? If you tried to trade Anthony Volpe before last season, and then of course he's untouchable now, but just, just for, for argument's sake. And then you try to trade him now, nothing has changed with Volpe other than the fact that he has developed as a baseball player, but Anthony Volpe before could be a complimentary piece in like a deal maybe. And now yep. could be a one for one for an all-star potentially. And that's Hayden Wesnetsky, all these guys. I mean, look at where Luis Heal came out of. Like yeah. Luis Heal, 10 years ago, if he put, went into a Yankee system, they have no idea how to develop him, and he probably turns out to be nothing. Like that's – but now Luis Heal looks like a real guy. And, and we're just talking about the core again. I, I hate to keep talking about the Yankees, but I think it just makes a lot of sense for where they're going and why it makes sense for the Dodgers and the Giants and the Rays and the Red Sox. Um, because if you're looking at what the Yankees core was supposed to be, we're supposed to be looking at Gary Sanchez. We're supposed to be looking at Aaron judge who has been phenomenal. Glaber Torres has been up and down and Seve's been hurt a lot. That was supposed to kind of be your core and just look at where all of them are now at. Yeah. That's just the reality of the situation. So let me take you through world series champs by year. And yeah, I think this is that. pretty interesting because I feel like there's, there's a, a, a no shit component to this because of course, every big league team, is going to have a lot of homegrown dudes. But, I mean, look at the Yankees. Look at some of these other teams. They don't have as many homegrown dudes as you you would actually expect. Uh, And you look at the World Series champions. I'm going by, like, most of these teams, this is their main war, uh, like, higher war guys, accumulated, you know, majority of it. You look at the Braves this year. Freeman, Riley, Albies, Acuna. Uh, This is either international free agent, drafted, or trade prior to, you know, big league time. Freeman, Riley, Albies, Acuna, Freed, Anderson, Soroka, Swanson, Huascar, Inoa. All their I, best I, players. I, like basically all their best players, right? Like, and then they had the two veterans that they went out and got, two, three veterans that they went out and got. Uh, and, you know, everybody else didn't really play a huge part. Bullpen's a separate thing because it's so volatile. Uh, yeah. You look at 2019 Nationals. We already talked well, wait, about the but Wait, before we move on, though. I think it's interesting that we didn't see it from the Rays. We haven't really seen it from the Dodgers. We haven't really seen it from the Red Sox. Are any of these teams spending big money on relievers? No, which no, ties into the last the, the last episode, right? Or a exactly. couple episodes ago with Jack about is does spending money on relievers make sense? Yeah. No, maybe yeah. for one, right? Like they'll build the infrastructure and then go spend a little bit for like Will Smith, but that's it. But they didn't even spend that much on Will. I mean, they they did kind of. But I mean, like, but it's funny. I, Will Smith wasn't even their best. He wasn't even really their like, good arm. Look like at I, nutsack I, Tyler Matzik, and we're looking at you know Luke Jackson. Yeah, they would have probably done a do over if they could, right? Jesse Chavez was was coming in in bigger spots in a lot of times. So it's like that's why <laughs> you don't he, spend on first the of all, How does Jesse Chavez get dudes out? It's unbelievable. It's yeah. it's, it's all command. And it's, he it's looks so average. He looks so, so average. he looks so below average, and he's still getting yeah. outs. I test doesn't I pass test. it. Analytics passes, but that's uh, what these organizations said. They're not just reading through a stat sheet and then saying, Oh, I like this guy, I like this guy. They have so many scouts, they're combining the eye test and the conditioned guys who have just been around the game for 30, 40 years. They're using their opinion while also having a statistical analysis 
data sheet that they can just combine both and do the ultimate scouting department. Exactly, which is what I'll get to on the Astros in 2017. 2019 Nationals, Rendon, Soto, Strasburg, Trey Turner, Patrick Corbin. Come on now. (laughs) That's five of their six highest F4 players right there. Come on now. And then, you know, who was a big piece for them? Veteran Howie Kendrick, who they signed for pennies, right? I mean, he was he was a huge part for them in that run. 2018 Red Sox, Mookie, Xander, Devers, Benatendi, JBJ. What's interesting is then the pitching, right? They go get Chris Sale. How'd they get Chris Sale? Michael Kopik, draft pick. Moncada, of course, international free agent. Two big pieces for them. Got them the best pitcher in baseball at the time. And then you know who else was huge for them? Nate Eovaldi. Ray's mistake, Jalen Beeks straight up. Jalen Beeks straight up. Stupid Ray's. Right? And then you know <laughs> There's who, the one mistake. Trivia question, Mr. Trivia host. Who won okay. the MVP of that World Series? Of the 2018 World Series? It's the biggest stump you question ever. Like, don't feel bad. It's the biggest stump you question ever. Shit. Grizzled vet. Good identity, like good. He's retired now. It was a good way of identifying a guy that could that could help you. And this kind of goes off to the point of like, young core made a couple big trades and then added this grizzled vet that helped them at the end of the year. Tell me, Steve Pierce. Boom, bang! I got it. I was like, wait, Steve Pierce. That's the home run, of course. Lefty murderer. So that was their formula, right? Twenty seventeen Astros. Altuve, Correa, Springer, Marwin Gonzalez, Alex Bregman, Dallas Keiko, Lance McCullers. Then you hear what this man is saying. I mean, yeah. come on, Arm. Like it's this is whole so evident. That's their whole team. And then guess what? Undervalued vet Justin Verlander. They got him for nothing. They got nothing. him for nothing. He was he was down at the time. Undervalued vet Charlie Morton. And they that's where the eye test comes in. They were the team that helped unlock a lot with Charlie Morton in terms of his release point, optimizing his mechanics. They How about t- Garrett Cole? Brad Peacock was huge for that. Yeah, of course, Garrett Cole. Brad Peacock. But they got him from Pittsburgh. That's the thing also. Yeah. For and nothing. they unlocked Garrett Cole. For nothing. Or, or you know, spider, yeah. I don't know, spider tag. Yeah, they, they, showed him, they showed him a new way. And yeah. Brad Peacock was one of the main guys in that rotation too, early trade in the minor leagues. So the reason why... You know, like this core, you could never afford this core in hindsight now, right? You could never afford, which is why we see Correa on the free agent market and Springer in Toronto. You can't afford all these dudes, but you can in a short period of time when you are the team that drafted them because you have them under control. So that's why we get these cores that are, they knew they weren't going to keep it together. That's why they went out and got Verlander. They went out and got some of these other guys because they're like, we got to go for it. They went and spent 13 million on Josh Reddick, who actually played a big part for them that year too to get those complimentary pieces because they knew eventually this core, we can't, we can't afford all of this. Same with the, same with the Red Sox. They couldn't afford Mookie anymore, right? You can't afford Mookie, Xander, Devers uh, in on top of Chris Sale and the other guys. Like they realized that and they went for it and now Mookie's gone. So the reason why they were able to afford that is those were all homegrown guys. It allows you to just maximize talent at the cheapest price possible. And there's no coincidence here that all of these recent world series teams had their own homegrown core of stars. These were all their best players. We're not really omitting anybody. The Red Sox used their extra money to go get J.D. Martinez. That was it. And this, I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, like this might be somewhat obvious in a way when we're saying invest in your minor leagues, invest in player development, 
But the matter of the fact is 20 ish teams in baseball straight up are doing it. Yep. So it's obviously, it might be obvious when you hear it and it's like, well, duh, why wouldn't you put more money into things? Well, we're telling you right now, these teams just straight up are doing it. They're not doing it. They're not doing it. Look at, look at the Rockies, dude. They whiff every single year, but even this, the Padres, they built a good farm system, right? Like, but they tried, they didn't even try to develop some of those guys to the big league level, right? Like they, they did go get the, the minor league guy and Fernando Tatis identified him. But but the problem with the, the Padres is they tried to do it all through like blockbuster deals, right? Like, oh, let's trade all of our top prospects and bring in blockbuster dudes. But what they did is they depleted their farm system. And some of these guys that they made blockbuster trades for didn't pan out. And now you know they yep. depleted their assets and they cost money too. So, you know, it, it's it's finding that balance. And you, you just got to develop some of your guys. Yes, it's good to trade some of your prospects away, but you got to develop some. And for the Padres, outside of Tatis, I mean, they went out and their best players are the guys where they followed the mold, identifying Trent Grisham as a guy. Yeah, that was I was undervalued. just about to say Trent Grisham, like guys like that. And then we see it all working. We right? see it all working with but guy the like big Trent trades Grisham. didn't do yeah. it for him. Right. Will Myers didn't do it for him. Like that's not helping Eric Hosmer. That's signing. That's not helping you. Oh, Machado's the good helping piece. Right. But like that's, that's your big free agent, what you do when you have the core, but Clevenger hurt, you know, Austin Noah hurt, hasn't done anything like they've traded away a top farm system and don't really have much to show for it. Snell hurt Darvish, you know, all these guys, it's just, you can't just do it that way either. Um, and, and I think that's the really clear thing is it's easier said than done, obviously, but it's hard to win when you're not developing your own talent. And I think that's more than evident because no team in the last several years has won without a core of developed players. And you notice the other funny thing is most of these World Series teams, these core players are all really young because they're homegrown. I mean, like Albies, Acuna, Riley, Anderson, all young dudes, right? You look at the Nationals, Soto was 10 at the time. You know, Rendon was, was still on the younger side. Trey Turner was young. Patrick Corbin was young. You look at Xander Bogarts, you know, his first time around 2013, extremely young when that team won it. But even the core of Mookie, Devers, Ben Attendee, Xander, JBJ, that was still a 20, mid-20s, late-20s core. Like that, that same thing with 2017 Astros, all kids. Uh, and it's because they're, they're homegrown and cheap. So it's funny. We always emphasize the veteran presence. You go get a couple guys like that, but you can win with a young, with a young group. And I think that's why the Rays were almost too far on that spectrum last year. Just thinking about it, I mean – the Rays, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, the Giants, a lot of the best organizations in baseball are all really good right now, and they all have top 10 systems. Yep. This is not something that will pass by and we'll be like, oh, remember the Dodgers dynasty? Remember the Rays dynasty? Nope. These are going to be the teams for the foreseeable future unless other teams start to catch up and they need to catch up quickly. 100%. 100%. And, and even last team to, to mention real quick, I mean, the White Sox, right? Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez. I mean, those are all those are all homegrown dudes. Uh, yeah. They, they kind of got Yasmani on the low relative to, to what he's been able to do uh, for that team. Like a, a lot of their core. I mean, they they went out and traded for Giolito. Uh, they, they got Dylan Cease for cheap minor league guys. You know, like they, they aren't going out there and and giving up the farm. Uh, for for one or two dudes most of the time like that's not but how on the other their, end their core maybe, either maybe why we haven't seen the white Sox be crazy successful yet 
is that some of the guys that they, you know, remember, I mean, they traded Cody Hewer and Nick Madrigal for Craig Kimbrell that backfired in the yeah. face. I know Liam Hendricks was phenomenal last year, but you signed him to a big ass deal. They continue to sign relievers to big deals. Like they, they, they do very well. And then they make those same mistakes that we're saying, please don't make them. Yeah, don't do that. So don't until that. they stop making them, I agree. I think the White Sox will be one of those great franchises, but in, until we see them, you know, consistently winning in the playoffs or consistently at the top of the AL Central, I'm not going to put the White Sox in that boat yet, even though they do, to your point, have a great phenomenal young core. They're they're towing the line, right? They're like towing they're towing the line. The, they're doing it offensively for sure. Yankees right? are towing the line. Yeah. But you know, yeah, the pitching. That's a good question to edit on. Who are the teams? Because we've named, you know, the Red Sox, Dodgers, Rays, Giants. Who are the other teams that you think are towing the line when it comes to just great franchises doing everything that we said? I think, you know, I think the Jays are getting there. I, I agree. think I, like they're making their splashes, their complimentary splashes. You know, I, I think they're doing that. They're towing the line because I think they're getting a little aggressive uh, and, and we'll see, uh, you know, because I also you know, you want to see teams be aggressive. But I mean, you look at their core, I, Vladdy, Bichette, you know, those those main dudes. Yes, they went and spent on Springer, but I kind of like that. That's when you when you add. But, you know, Teoscar, Teoscar, Guriel, like these are guys that they either bought low on or developed. Uh, Kirk, and then Biggio. Kirk, Biggio, Moreno on the way. Yeah. Right? Like, these are homegrown dudes. Manoa was a guy that they developed and identified yep. and, and, and has just fast tracked uh, to professional baseball or to the big league. So, yeah, that's a team that I think is right on the cusp of doing those things. But when you look outside of there, man, like th there's not much many other teams that are really doing that. I would say I wouldn't even put the Cardinals there because their pitching is so barren. I, I wouldn't really put any other team there other than the teams we mentioned, which kind of shows Cardinals you. there because they, uh, cause if you look at their roster, uh, no, I mean, Flaherty, Bader, Carlson, Nolan Arenado, they traded for, which is great. Goldschmidt, Trading. you know, same thing, you know, Put the Cardinals in there, I think. If they if we'll you see don't how, think so, the pitching, the pitching is so bad. Ah, the pitching, I know, but yeah, they're towing the line. They're towing the say. line. They're close enough. They're, they're just missing the pitching. Yep. Yeah. There's got to be. They're the other way. Yeah. Put those franchises together. You got the best team in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Right? Like, <laughs> you've got the best team in baseball. I, what really killed the Cardinals was that you know they traded Sandy Alcantara and Zach Gallen for Marcelo Zuna. If they don't do that, and it's ironic because they didn't want to trade from their top prospects. They didn't want to trade from Alex Reyes. They didn't want to trade from uh who Dakota Hudson. And they oh, I do like yeah right he, I do he's like fine him. he's fine but right. <laughs> I, I think they'd rather have Sandy Alcantara right um I would I I mean I there's probably like 14 pitchers I'd rather have in the entire league than Sandy Alcantara. Right. So they imagine, know I don't know. Uh, imagine you have Zach Gowan and Sandy on that team. So it's like a whole different team. You got a world series roster. It's knowing what you have, right? If they traded Hudson away instead or Reyes away instead, I know Reyes is a good bullpen arm, then, you know, they'd be in better shape, but you know what? The Marlins rare in a rare instance here actually identified a team that undervalued their own prospects. <laughs> unlike the, the Brewers trade. Uh, so I, I thought that that's an interesting talking point too, because I always think about that. How good would the Cardinals be if they kept Alcantara and if they kept Gallon? They would be, they'd be a World Series contender. 
Flaherty and Wayno thrown in there with Alcantara I, and I love uh, it. Wow, Gallon. Wow. Sorry, That's Cardinals fans. To look back on. Sorry, Cardinals fans. We just did your uh, GM week, and now we're kind of bashing a little. Now bit. we're bashing. I believe in you. Could be the Rockies though, so it's okay. The Rockies have had four of their like six draft picks in the last ten years or in the last five years retire. So yeah, like, like straight up, just like I don't want to play baseball anymore. Cause I That's play for so the Rockies. gross Rockies. You yeah. Freaking they're, idiots. They're terrible. They're terrible. Uh, but I, that's it for me. You got any final thoughts, Peter? All I got to do. Just get your not gambling advice. T-shirts, get your just baseball merch through the link in the description to this episode. Got to rock your just baseball merch. I mean, come on arms wearing the sweatshirt right now. looks like a yeah. swaggy ass beast. Yeah. That's in the link. Uh, we got new articles coming out on just baseball.com. Really excited for the, uh, I, I mention it like every Wednesday, but this is actually, we finally got the podcast started in the intro and I submitted it to Apple. The call-up will be ready to rock and roll. I th- hopefully, depends on the Apple approval. We know that sometimes takes a while, uh, but hopefully by, by next Wednesday. So a lot of prospect coverage coming up on that end of things. Um, also, yeah, that'll be called, that'll be called the call-up. Yes. The call-up. I the love call that up. name, by the way. I'm pumped because we're going to have some fun interviews on there. Uh, some exciting stuff ahead for us interviews on the just baseball show with some really interesting topics and guests that I think people are really going to like. So stay tuned for that uh, and make sure you subscribe not only to the podcast, but to our podcast channel, which you can do on mm-hmm. Apple podcasts, because that'll be, that'll allow you to kind of keep up with all of our shows, right? When the call up comes in, when we add not gambling advice podcast, when we add the fantasy show, when we add all of our different shows that we're about to expand, it's a big initiative for us. You'll be able to keep up with all of those just under the Just Baseball channel on Apple Podcasts. If you're a Spotify user, we're going to make a playlist. I'm looking into that. But also you can leave ratings on Spotify now, which is cool. And we'd really appreciate if you could do that as well. If you haven't done that on Apple yet either, really helps us with visibility and growing the show. That's it from me. We just talked about what makes a winner uh, through looking at winners. And let's see who does it this year, because I think we've seen a lot of commonalities and characteristics and, uh, my team isn't going to do it. My Marlins aren't going to do it, but maybe your Yankees will. Uh, and uh, it should be a fun season. We finally had a meeting scheduled. So finally scheduled. I set the over under at 19 and a half minutes. You taking the over or the under? I'm going to so take the, the over. length of that meeting. I'm going to take, take the, the over. over. I'm going to bet on them being grown men and I'm going to lose. But Dude, sharps are on the under. Sharps are, <laughs> sharps are betting on them being juvenile. But next time we talk to you, hopefully we'll have some good news on the over on 20 minutes on the meeting, and we'll be inching closer to the end of this lockout. But regardless, you know we'll be talking to you every single day. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody.